0: Grant, sorry, I spoke over you.
1: No, I I didn't say anything. Go ahead. I was Uh, clearing my throat because I've I've got allergies and I'm coughing. (laughs) (laughs) Excuse me while I go crazy. Oh, my God, i got COVID.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Matt, it won't get to if you spray your camera. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Meet the
1: Pressers with Matt Mallory. And Clint Macro. Brought to you by Public Safety and Education and the Trigger Pressers Union. And now,
2: your hosts. Hey, everybody, this is Meet the Pressers with Clint Macro and Matt Mallory. This is a safe place for all people that press triggers to talk about training, guns, gear, gadgets. We do product reviews, we do self-defense. And political activism. Yes.
3: This episode is brought to you by Taser. Simple to use, safe to own, effective when you need it. Mantis. Mantis X helps shooters suck less. Meet the Pressers is sponsored by Next Level Training, Sabre Red, Cutting Edge Bullets, the USCCA, McLean Corporation, ASP, ESS, Common Sense Self-Defense, and T1 Ammunition. Meet the Pressers is also generously supported by these fine companies, ranges, and our Patreon members. Thank you.
2: This show is based around the most recent crisis with the epidemic or pandemic or whatever you want to refer to that as. And one of our main responsibilities as our family first responder is to be prepared to defend ourselves. But in order to do that, we got to be healthy. So uh, we brought in some really fantastic guests, some some good friends, old friends, to talk about this recent crisis and offer their opinions and suggestions so that we can be prepared and be healthy while we do it.
4: And, and on that note too, Clint, when we talk about there's a lot of people that will say being uh, paranoid, but or being a prepper. Now, now people are actually realizing what prepping truly is because shelves are bare, which we'll get into. So we've got our good friend Grant uh, Cunningham from the West Coast and Grant Gallagher from the East Coast and James O'Connor from down the road from me. Grant Cunningham, why don't you go ahead and give just a little background on yourself? I'm
1: a, uh, an author, a, a teacher, and a consultant in the wide space of self-defense and, and family preparedness. I look at self-defense and particularly armed self-defense as just another part of preparedness. And so my, my focus is on the the whole wide world of keeping people ready to live their lives no matter what the circumstances. Academically, I do have a background in emergency management, uh, done college uh, coursework in that, uh, all that kind of thing. So I've got a background also in that planning and risk uh, analysis and risk mitigation part of it as well.
4: Grant Cunningham, I mean Grant Gallagher. (laughs)
0: Right. okay so thanks very much for the invitation guys i really appreciate it and it's great to be one um here with grant cunningham as well so my background um is i'm a firearms instructor like many of us are um academically to follow uh grant's lead format lead uh, my background is in immunology and genetics i've run a research lab for a long time i'm uh, currently i um, working in um uh, pharmacogenomics, which is a, the way that you, your body's genetics influence the way you respond to drugs, I have a little bit of a background in biosecurity as well.
5: James O'Connor, paramedic in uh, upstate New York. I have a uh, ten years of experience as a paramedic, and then five years before that as an EMT. Awesome!
2: Oh, Super. Thanks for joining us. You know there are certain simple things that we can do to help keep ourselves from getting sick. And I think a lot of people lose sight of the fact that. Uh, you know, to be prepared, we can take some of those preventative measures and just be smart. Maybe it's not worth going to that concert or going to that party. Maybe, maybe not. These are choices we have to make. And we have to take personal responsibility for our choices as well.
4: West Coast Grant, uh, how has this affected you as far as business and personal?
1: Well, I work from home. Uh, you know, I, I do a lot of writing, uh, write a lot of books and that kind of thing and do a lot of consulting work. So a lot of what I do, I do from home to begin with. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. The worst part about this has been, uh, I'll, I'll be honest, the, the psychological trauma. Uh, as you might guess, I, I have allergies. Uh, we're getting into allergy season now, and we live with five mm-hmm. cats. Yes. And so I'm coughing all the time, but you know, in the back of my mind, I think, oh my God, have I got it now? <laughs>
4: mm-hmm. Right.
1: Um, that's, that's the worst part. Uh, but when we achieved uh, community transmission of the virus here about a little over a week ago now, In our immediate area, and my wife and I immediately decided that she works at home too, so it's really not a big problem for us to sort of quarantine ourselves, limit our exposure to anybody, you know, from the outside. So you know, we we stop, you know, the going out to dinner, the Mm -hmm. the mindless sort of wandering around uh, the the nearby city, and reduce the number of trips that we make. For instance, for groceries and and that kind of thing. and so we kind of hold up here in our house. Very little has changed because we're fairly well prepared to begin with. You know, we have food, we have uh, firewood, we have everything we need here. It's just that we have to put up with each other uh, for, you know, a few more hours a week than we than we normally would. Uh, it has cost us a little bit of, um, you know, a little bit of concern. Like I said, every time I cough, I think, gosh, I got it now. And we are a little more, uh, because we have kind of hold up here, we're making sure, for instance, visitors, people like UPS and FedEx and that sort of thing, we don't get too close to
4: them. And we've been using Lysol, (laughs) the Lysol bottle. Packages come, spread the the box down. So uh, East Coast Grant.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting, actually, the Spree, Spree your packages. I've been posting that kind of thing did you spray down your amazon packages today and the responses to that have been varied from uh oh i never thought of that to you're absolutely nuts and everything in between and i think there's a big element of people wanting to be the cat that will not be herded in this situation and that is and that's that is potentially a a real problem but to pick up grant's point about the the symptoms i think that this is this is a bad time of year because there are allergies just beginning to happen. There's mm-hmm. a lot of regular seasonal comorbidities that come with uh, the flu, for example. And I think James maybe has something to say about that later on. Um, and I think that the, the thing that people need to watch out for is understanding what the symptoms are that would indicate this virus and separating them from the symptoms that we would get from a regular cold or an al- allergies and stuff like that. So the thing that I would like to suggest to people is that they, th- they think particularly about the cough. If, and this isn't definitive, but it's a good indication. If they've got a dry, tight cough, the kind that makes them want to uh, when they cough, then that is much more suggestive of this kind of virus than if they have a productive cough that generates sputum and, and is suggestive of a bacterial infection, mm. for example and if they have um running eyes or a runny nose or a sore um, throat then that's much more suggestive of kind of allergies rather than any kind of of viral infection and i think if people get a handle on that and and they help to and it helps to keep them just a little bit balanced then that will be really useful for people because everyone's afraid basically now and and it's important to understand what might indicate the virus and what might not indicate the virus.
2: James, have you seen uh, an uptick in calls because people were concerned that they've they've had the virus? And and is that if that is so, has that been bogging down the uh, local infrastructure as far as the first responders are concerned?
5: I think there's definitely been an increase in those types of calls. I haven't in in terms of numbers. I I couldn't tell you just from the last few days. It seems about the same as what we've been getting but I've definitely seen a lot more you know I've got a fever of you know 102 like people are seem to be keeping track of you know those symptoms alongside and I think the paying really close attention to those symptoms in addition to that is looking at that fever Um, if you've got a fever with those symptoms first thing is you should be staying home and I think a lot of people are saying oh no it's COVID-19 I need to go to the hospital
0: yeah they don't necessarily need to go to the hospital because the other thing that's important right. to remember is the vast majority of people who will who contract this virus will recover perfectly well and and particularly younger people and by younger i mean you know anybody under 50 for example unless you've got uh, an underlying condition like asthma or you're a really heavy smoker or something like that you're not going to develop a lot of uh, serious symptoms from the virus as people get older then they're more susceptible to the morbidities of the, of the virus. But um, you don't need to go to hospital, even if you think you have it. Just stay home and see how things progress. You know,
5: wholeheartedly agree. And, you know, they'll tell you right on the news. And there's actually a hotline locally that people are supposed to be calling um, if they think they have the symptoms. And ultimately what it's going to say is not only should you not be going to the hospital, with these symptoms like just a you know basic fever cough but you should be you shouldn't even be going to your doctor you shouldn't be going to urgent care you should be staying home drinking lots of fluids getting rest um, family you know should be wa- wiping down surfaces um, washing their hands this is some stuff this is general practice that we should be doing on a regular basis anyways this is nothing new it is really important to just sort of distance yourself if you have those symptoms going someplace where the, the risk of infection is high already is kind of counterproductive.
4: 610 tonight there was a article that came out where president trump said gatherings of 50, uh, no more than 50 people so i went from 500 to 250 to 150 now it's at 50 people so it's definitely you know, shrinking as far as large groups of people and being around them
1: yeah and i think there was something that came out uh from the um, coronavirus uh, Task Force or whatever whatever he calls it now that uh, Vice President Pence uh, chairs, that they were suggesting that people follow the CDC guidelines for no more than 10 people. And so I've gotten a lot of questions about that, you know, in the email, oh my gosh, does this mean we can't go here, there or the other way? And uh, And so there seems to be a lot of confusion. In our state, the official state guideline is no more than 250 people. Uh, and yet, you know, the, the guidelines from, from the president, you know, what the president says and what the CDC says, all, they're all a little different. Yeah. And people are getting really confused by that.
2: Well, it's different in, in different jurisdictions. I mean, even in Pennsylvania, there are counties that have more reported cases than other counties. And, of course, there they're being more stringent. Here in Pennsylvania, when I last checked was just maybe two hours ago. Uh, The governor here had suggested uh, 50 people or or less, Uh, but you know that's it's very dynamic. It could be changing. You know, tomorrow morning could be different. Grant Gallagher, or or I'm sorry, East Coast Grant. I appreciate you putting me into the uh, younger people classification of being under 50. I I you're
0: you're you're very welcome.
5: Hello, I'm John Evelyn, director of the North American CWD project. You're watching Meet the Pressers with Matt Mallory and Clint Macro.
2: Meet the Pressers.
5: Both my parents are, well, my dad is just at 60. My mother's over 60. Um, and so I have pretty much doing, being what I am, doing what I do for a living, I've kind of just sort of taken the standard precautions to assume that I have it until until mm-hmm. proven otherwise. I'm not, uh, I'm not going near them. I was actually over there today real quick to drop something off. I made sure I had a mask on and gloves. And in general, I don't wear a mask and gloves in public. Um, I, I don't have any symptoms, but I do not want to be responsible for carrying something that I picked up from a patient to them. And at this point, we don't have a lot of numbers to play with us. So what we were talking about, we're sort of a, a numbers game, you know, no more than 50 people in a room. Well, it's, it's, it's not a, it's, it's really is a numbers game. So it's not like if you have 51 people in a room, everybody, you know, you're going to get coronavirus. It could right. be two people in the room and one of them has coronavirus. Now you both have it. So we're just really looking at, we don't know how many people in this county have it. We don't have, or in our count respective counties areas have it. Mm -hmm. And in the next two weeks, we're going to find out that there's a lot of people that are sick. That's my prediction.
0: There's probably about 20 times more people infected than there are people that have been diagnosed. Right. That's,
2: that's probably reasonable to assume. I I would think.
0: And people can people are infectious before they are symptomatic in other words if someone someone can be perf, appear perfectly healthy and they have been infected by the virus and they can spread the virus to other people before they begin to get symptoms and decide to stay home so that's part of the issue with this uh virus mm-hmm. um and and i think it's it's important to remember that that there are, we're here in america we are still and in and most of the west we're still in a kind of the the logarithmic up phase of cases appearing. So what that means is that, you know, broadly speaking, cases are identified. Cases are doubling every day, every second day, every every reliable period of time. Right. Um, and for as long as well, what happened in New Jersey was on on Sunday. I think there were ninety cases, and today there's 178 diagnosed cases. Right. So that's essentially a doubling over a dependable period of time until for as long as we are in that phase the backside of that is that there are always many more people who actually are infected than are showing symptoms and that's what makes it so problematic I work for a company whose main interest is um, molecular diagnostics of all kinds of infectious disease and we're one of the companies that has just been approved one of the private companies has just been approved to do the testing okay. so we're we're doing the about to start doing the testing in terms of work um i've been going to work i've not been working from home um so that's that's where i am with that i'm fortunate because i have an office to myself and i can close the door and i'm kind of like semi-isolated and if i choose to be self-quarantined at work i can make a pretty good attempt at it not everyone is as lucky as that Um, in terms of classes i tend not to run a lot of classes in the In the early months because um, I do a lot of my teaching out at Fort Dix and you can't rely on the weather although this has been this would have been a great winter for running classes outside but I have classes coming up towards the end of this calendar month and I'm waiting to hear from Fort Dix whether they're going to allow those to go ahead or not so we'll just need to see how that goes.
2: If if I'm not out teaching I'm at home and uh, frankly uh, this month or this this week or two weeks here now where they've my my son's off school they they closed school for two weeks and uh, actually I should be at USCCA Expo here in a few days and then shortly after that I had another another thing that was canceled by the venue so uh, both of those were not income gigs for me so as far as income's concerned I'm no better no worse uh, I had a class yesterday uh, and I had contacted everyone and said, look, if you don't wanna come, I totally respect that. And I was gonna you know, make sure everyone could carry a credit and take a class with me at a future date. Uh, I had uh, rubber gloves available for when we were doing practical ha- gun handling exercises and brought bleach and we wiped the tables down and I tried to space everyone out as much as I could in the room and gave everyone the opportunity to say, no, I don't wanna show up. And actually they all came and you know, we minimized uh, uh, physical contact. We were, weren't were doing fist bumps or handshakes. And uh, actually, uh, not many people did handle the guns. And, and when they did, we we uh, had gloves on and, and then wiped wiped everything down afterwards. So I think I managed that the best way that I could. I've got some classes coming up and they're all pretty low. There's low numbers in them. And, and as you guys know, I, I don't teach classes to fill it up with 15, 20 people. So if I've got three or four people and I can afford to put the class on, I'll do it. And uh, all these classes coming up in the next couple of weeks are, I think, uh, including me. And if someone wanted to come audit it would be well under 10 people. So I'm going to make the classes available. And if folks want to attend them, they're, they're more than welcome to. We'll just be smart. Grant Cunningham, I would like to ask your opinion, you know, with your background. Um, well, of course, you know, with your prepping background and as far as the books that you write, Uh, I'd like to hear some of your thoughts about uh, things that people can do now in the midst of this uh, crisis. But also, could you give us your opinion on some of the things that local governments and the national government are doing to try to minimize the spread of the disease? Do you think that it's it's reasonable and prudent to have like a travel moratorium and to ask people to not meet in larger groups and to uh, request that schools be shut down and people stay at home for a short amount of time?
1: well i uh, of course i'm I'm not an expert but I spent the the last week talking to epidemiologists and immunologists and pulmonologists and and all kinds of other ologists um, to try to get some semblance of whether or not what we're doing is is effective and whether or not it's prudent and you know all that kind of reasonable I think is a good thing yeah. and um, what I've been uh, gosh what I've been telling people is that and the, the key for the individual at this point has to be minimizing your contacts to the greatest degree possible. And that means things like wearing gloves, of course, wiping down surfaces, anything that, that, that reduces your contact with a possible source of pathogens, including other people, I think is reasonable proof. Uh, what the governments do. Well, I get into, I, I guess, kind of a, a political stance. Um, the one thing I will tell you, we have, uh, uh, three, uh, Professors from one of our local universities who are who were in Italy uh, doing a research project and got trapped there. And uh, after talking with uh, one of them, their considered opinion is that oh gosh, the American government isn't doing enough based on what we see in Italy. Um, You know whether they're doing enough uh, or not. Gosh, I would always err on the on the on the side of precaution. Uh, And so I would like to see them do more. But more importantly, I would like to see them to I- encourage more individual responsibility. I'm not mm. necessarily a fan of the government stepping in and, and cordoning off things and making no. quarantines and, and curfews and that kind of thing. I agree. Uh, what, what I would like to see is them putting out a consistent, cohesive message and encouraging people to act responsibly. Uh, you, you and I, have a, we've both seen certainly irresponsible behavior on the part of a lot of people you know there's still a lot of people out there going to spring break uh there's a certain segment of the younger population that says oh you know it, it takes out boomers who cares about boomers uh, that kind of thing i i think we should be encouraging more individual responsibility more um uh personal responsibility for what we're doing and the things that we may be transferring to others. James had a great point. Uh, He may not have the virus himself, or he may, and he's just assuming he is, and since he's got elderly parents who are in that, uh, you know, in that uh, high-risk category, making sure that he doesn't do anything to pass it in. That's the responsible way to do it, and I think that's the way everybody should be acting. Unfortunately everybody's not. And so I think what's going to happen ultimately is the governments are probably going to step in and do this forcefully. And that I really don't want to see.
2: One of the things that I'm concerned about is is when government overreaches and limits and restricts the rights and liberties of law abiding citizens. And that's something that i you know, we're all very passionate about. And in Pennsylvania, the sheriff's offices are shutting down the license to carry firearms process. So people are not able to get their, you know, what it's not a call to conceal carry permit here. It's a license to carry a firearm, but they're shutting that, that infrastructure down. And that's a big problem. One of the things in our constitution or in our law here in Pennsylvania is under a state of emergency, open carry is outlawed. Now, those of us that have been, or those people have been watching the show for a while, uh, our open carry has technically been outlawed because the governor a year ago put, a, put us into a state of emergency for the opioid crisis. But now we're in a state of emergency for this as well. So really fully, there's no way technically or otherwise, open carry is illegal. The only way a law-abiding citizen can have their firearm on them as a tool of self-defense when in public now is if they have a license to carry a firearm. And if sheriff's departments are shutting down the ability for a law-abiding citizen to exercise that right, that's not a good thing because as we know from looking at Katrina and other types of disasters that have taken place if civil unrest happens to to come about you know James as you know as a first responder uh, first responders are not the people that respond first they come and clean up after the mess is over and uh, you know law-abiding citizens are going to need to exercise that right potentially if they're in a very very bad situation where they would need to defend their families and if they can't do that legally because a sheriff has shut down their ability to do that legally, I think that's a that's a tragedy.
4: Well, my big fear is the what happened in Katrina. You know, where they basically called martial law and then they went around taking people's guns. I mean, if something like that happens and then people can't defend themselves against people that are looking to do harm, you know, just like what happened with the Rodney King. You know, when they did martial law back then in California when that happened. I mean, it's it, it'll be it'll be it'll be bad for. For everybody around, I just got a message today. Two of the courts that I run, that I'm the the chief of two towns, and I handle the court scheduling and everything. Uh, the entire we just got me- just got notice from the state that all courts, all town and village courts in the entire state of New York, are shut down effective immediately, 30 to 45 days.
2: Well that's freed. good. All those all those criminals that your governor let loose will form, have extra right? days off, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah.
4: So it's like, okay, you you uh, you give somebody a ROR, release them on their own recognizance, and say, Yeah, the, you can go to the court in like two months. <laughs> it's like just go commit more crimes for two months straight. It's ridiculous.
5: Imagine but, how backed up those courts are gonna be.
4: Oh, uh it's gonna be insane. They'll be they'll be court, probably court like every night just to catch up.
0: And still then there'll be a lot of relative quote unquote, minor offenses are not going to come.
4: Or, or, okay. or the directive is going to come down to law enforcement not to issue tickets unless it's a felony and mm-hmm. or it's going to come down to DAs to basically just wash stuff off the record just to catch up on the big stuff and uh, not worry about the smaller stuff. So e- either way, there's, there's going to be, you know, and of course the governor has it his way. He'll probably just say, yeah, just wipe anything that's happened in the past 45 days. Everybody's, uh, you know. It's,
2: See, it's, un- it's unattended late. consequences is a bitch. Or there's a big agenda that, you know, somebody somewhere has taken advantage of a crisis that yeah. either way you look at it, it's not good for the re- average law abiding citizen.
5: You never want a serious crisis to go to waste. And what I mean by that, it's an opportunity to do things that you think you could not do before. My courses
4: have been smaller as far as numbers. Uh, The USCC Expo got canceled. Ailita got canceled. I was supposed to go there and work that for uh, Mantis. Uh, NRA got canceled. Our local gun show got canceled here in New York. Just found that out today as well. Uh, We actually, because we have an Airbnb, uh, we run a run of our houses out on Airbnb and VRBO. Uh, Both Airbnb and VRBO have come out and said that, They're not refunding. They're not reimbursing. This is a special circumstances situation, and they're not going to basically be behind uh, financially behind anything. So we basically Christy, my wife canceled all of our, our bookings from now until the end of April. So we're going to take a huge, huge, huge hit on that. I mean, thousands of dollars we're going to lose there. Um, foster care appointments or foster parents, if anybody didn't know that, uh, all all those appointments, we basically said, we don't want anybody coming to the house because some of them come for our foster daughter to, uh, to do, uh, appointments with her. And so we basically canceled all those VA called me last week and said, yeah, we don't want you coming in. I got a VA appointment this week, uh, tomorrow, actually, they said, nah, can we just do it via video? I'm like, sure. Okay. So I'm going to do that via video. We're be like,
2: It hurts here, right here. Yep. Yep. Is that what you're going to do yep. On, yep. on zoom? Yep. And, <laughs> then and then they're going to be like,
4: push it. Okay. Oh, put where? There? No, here. Yeah, yeah exactly. So it's been, uh, it's been, <laughs> it's been quite, quite crazy. It's been definitely quite crazy.
2: Hi, I'm Bram Frank with cssdsc.com. I make knives and trainers and this is meet the pressers with Matt Mallory and Clint Macro meet the pressers
1: uh, i've been an advocate of rational preparation for a long time and so i've been urging people for years to uh, to put aside a uh, to have a backstock of food to have a backstock of of the the consumables that they go through in, including toilet paper uh, and, uh, and you know, pet food and, and medications and that kind of thing. And so I've been uh, emphasizing this for a long time and I've always taken sort of an all-hazards approach. Let's look at you know, all the things that can happen to you. you know, let's look at what the plausibility of those things is and make preparations based upon that. Ideally, up to this point, a, a person would have six months at least back stock of food and all consumables. Uh, that they would have a, a supply of, of cash on hand uh, for emergencies in, in case for some reason the credit cards just don't work or people aren't taking them, um, that, that they should have made uh, preparations to work from home or uh, whatever they need to do to continue their income if that's you know, a possibility during an incident. Uh, so there was a whole bunch of things that uh, that I encourage people to do, down to, of course, having emergency kits in the cars and that kind of thing. At this point in time, and I've been getting a lot of emails and and uh, and new people on, on my Facebook uh, prepping group who are coming in and saying, "Okay, um, you know, I didn't I didn't listen." Uh, what do I do now? Well, there, there are a few things. First of all, I think the, the thing that people have to do right now is just assume that this is going to go on for six weeks. If it doesn't, you're you're ahead. You know, look at it as free money. But let's start looking at, okay, this is going to last six weeks. And what do we do for six weeks? Well, we have to eat, uh, we have to do normal kind of hygiene things, right? Uh, we, we probably maybe need meds uh, if you're on hypertension meds or, or, or you have inhalers or something. got to have meds, that kind of thing. So right now, I think the, the most important things are uh, probably to build at least a small backstock of food. You're not going to get to that six-month point right now. There's just too much demand, Mm -hmm. uh, too many things being bought. But what you can do is backstock a little bit of food uh, so that you minimize the number of times you have to go to the grocery store. Mm -hmm. Everybody's going to the grocery store. It's good. It's a it's a big uh, area, probably a uh, a big area of exposure for most mm-hmm. people. So start backstocking a little bit of food so you can reduce the number of trips you make. You're not going to eliminate them at this point, mm-hmm. not without some prior action. But what you can do is do things to minimize those the number of trips that you have. You know, buy extra milk and eggs if they're available if you're a milk and egg eater. Uh, you know, buy some extra meat, throw it in the freezer compartment that kind of thing. Call your doctor and get, if you're, if you're on meds, get a backstock of meds. So I've, I've done that. Yep. Uh, and get, get those in place. Um, make sure that you've got things for your kids to do. They're going to be out of school. Make sure that you've got things for them to do. And that might take a little bit of planning, Does that mean get a whole bunch of books from the library might Uh, a better alternative, reduce your exposure, get a whole bunch of eBooks from Amazon and Mm -hmm. put them on the, on the iPad or the e-reader and give it to the kids and and let them read, Uh, come up with some activities for them to do. The hardest thing, especially if you've got kids is keeping them from getting antsy and getting on everybody else's nerves. And you know, when people get upset, they get uh, nervous, they, they, don't make rational decisions. So keep everybody on an even keel. Make sure maybe you've got some some treats for them, so that occasionally they can have something instead of the you know pork and beans that you've bought,
4: whatever that happens to be. Yeah, yard um, work. Give them yard work. That'll keep them busy.
1: Yeah, yard, yard work. Uh, you know, I grew up on a farm. Heck, we had all kinds of things to do. Yeah. Um, that that's not the case anymore. And I've talked to a lot of people. A good friend of mine lives in 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 the suburbs and. He's got a, a very active precocious daughter that, that he has to, he has to find things to keep her busy uh, and so that's probably going to be an important part of it. Uh, I think over the next six weeks the I don't think you're going to see you know gasoline shortages. I don't think you're going to see that. Um, what I think you will see is perhaps spot food shortages, which of course we've already been through. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're going to find people, businesses shutting down because they don't want to bring their employees in. So prepare for those businesses that you go to regularly. What do you do without those, okay? Let's get some stuff together now and do that. Um, My only caution would be if you're going to backstock some food, backstock the food that you typically eat. This is is not a time to go out and buy freeze-dried food. In fact, it's usually not a time to go out and buy freeze-dried food. But, you know, backstop some of the food that you eat regularly so that your diet doesn't change dramatically. You know, a change in diet, boy, that guess, puts yeah. everybody on, on edge. Yeah. So just backstop the stuff you normally, you normally eat. And I think right now that's probably the best thing that people can do. If you can find some hand sanitizer, great. If not, just make sure you've got a good supply of soap. Go to the, go to the web and learn how to wash your hands properly. I think that's probably, if I were to say one thing right now, go to YouTube, find out how to wash your hands properly because most people don't.
4: Sing happy birthday. Yes, sing happy birthday. There are online, free online access that normally would be, cost you have to pay for but because schools have been shutting down there's a lot of online training and learning that are now giving free access so people can be on the lookout for that I'm,
2: i believe the new york met is doing free uh, video broadcasts of nice. operas every night okay My wife told me that a little bit earlier. One, I think it was New York. One of the metropolitan operas is doing that.
4: Not really interested in that, but anyway, somebody might be, I, uh, I, (laughs) we, so we (laughs) homeschool, so we, we do online stuff already and we pay for it. And now most of the stuff's free. (laughs) So my wife's been signing up for free stuff and, and ordering extra medication. That was, that's a perfect, I picked up all extra months worth of meds last week. So that's, that's definitely a a good point there. West coast grant.
0: So there's one thing I I want to touch on that, grant pointed out which is having cash on hand at home the um i think that's something that a lot of people just don't think about they might have like a year's supply of beans um but they don't have they couldn't they couldn't put 50 dollars together no matter how affluent they are or are not and this isn't the time to find that um the guy down the street wants to sell you a carton of milk for three dollars but you have only got 20s and he's got no change right? right Mm. So it's it's important that you have um, a, a range of denominations verging towards the low end of the denomination scale yeah. so that you can make sure that if you've got to buy something, you can give the exact amount.
4: That's great. Great advice. Good point. Yeah. Good point.
0: One of the things that I really liked about the article that Grant uh, posted recently was, and it, it were beyond the point at which he posted it, but... There is a layered approach to how one should approach these things, right? I mean, you mentioned, I think, and I'm paraphrasing, you know, what to do when it arrives in the country, what to do when it arrives in your state, what to do when it arrives in your town, right? This kind of layered approach as to how one deals with this crisis in particular, but any crises in general. And I was wondering whether, now that it's here, um, you've got any additional thoughts about that other than the ones you just iterated?
1: Um, I think now uh, and uh, when I wrote that it was still uh, we, you know we were still at the point where most people were at the at the top level uh, of things and it deteriorated very very rapidly uh, in my in my own state it deteriorated extremely rapidly um, and so I, I think right now uh, the things I outlined in the article I think are all still valid Um you know, don't go anywhere that's absolutely necessary. Stay at home. Um, try if you can avoid it. Take public. Do, do not take public transportation. I know a lot of people live in cities; they don't have choice. Um, but try not to take public transportation. You know, absolutely no school, uh, no social gatherings, and this is going to hit some people hard. No religious observances. You know, you got a whole. you, got, you know, maybe 500 people in a room for an hour, or you know. Um, two or three hours depending upon your religious preferences uh and that's that's uh, you know a, that's a a real area where you can be exposed
4: we have a church locally that actually just uh, went online huge church 3000 member congregation they just yeah. went online with her and i had a uh, an assessment to do at a church this morning a security assessment and we we rescheduled it because yeah, i just i don't want to go into the into the church and then bring that home to my kids yeah.
1: You know, I think right now, uh, if you have to go out, uh, carry, hopefully you got got some d- disposable gloves, some nitro gloves. Uh, if, she, if you didn't, well, you might be able to get some at the big box stores still. But, you know, carry some nitro gloves with you if you have to go out in public. You know, use them, and, you know, and, and so when you touch things, you have at least a layer between you and whatever you're touching. Um, I don't think that it this is the time where people necessarily need to go out with face masks. I know there's a lot of debate about face masks, and they certainly don't work against airborne uh, pathogens like measles. They might have some effect against this virus because it's born in water droplets, and may masks will filter some of those out here's the Here's the sad thing about it uh you can wear the best mask in the world, but the, the three places that Viri get in are your mouth, your nose, and your eyes. And if you've got a na- mask over your mouth and nose and you've got your eyes wide open, that eh, probably doesn't do you a whole lot
5: of good. With regard to the face masks, first off, there's, there's a couple different ones that I've seen people walking around with. One of the N95 masks. These are the ones that we are, those right there, the one that Matt's got, right? Um, so those were actually specially fit tested for, so they put it on our face, they put us in this little hood and they spray to make sure that it actually fits us appropriately. Um, so if you've got a, if you've got a beard or if you put on weight or lose weight, things like that can affect the seal of the mask and therefore it's not doing any good. The other thing is they're very uncomfortable. If you wear that for even just excess of like 20 minutes, you may start feeling claustrophobic. Um, you're smelling your own breath, you may not feel like you can breathe, people are going to be touching their face more. So aside from the fact that if you're not trained to really wear them, if you're not used to wearing them, you're going to be messing with them anyways. Now, the other thing that I really, really need to mention is that people that are wearing these masks, they're buying them and they were buying them just in in the same quantity that they're buying toilet paper. Mm -hmm. And so these masks, so the one that Matt had in his hand cost 88 cents two months ago. Uh, we just bought a hundred of them. Actually, I'm sorry. We bought 200 of them at $7 a piece now. Wow. So we are paying over a thousand dollars to protect our people. And, and I can say, you know, um, Clint, you asked me about, you know, what some of the things that our hospitals are running into. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, am I work for a small company full time. Um, and, you know, we're, we're able to afford, protecting our people, and we're going to spend the money to protect our people, whether it's $7 or 88 cents. I was talking to one of the nurses at a hospital nearby, and she told me, depending on the severity of the virus, they have either two weeks or a month of supply left. So if things are status quo, they got about a month. And this is the entire hospital. And this is a large hospital with a lot of different um, uh, outside facilities as well. Um, So in terms of resources, we do not have a lot. And you'll see a lot of people with just the regular mask on like
4: this. Now, would would you all agree that if anything, like I think West Coast Grant, you had said, you know, they're moving it and adjusting it. I've heard the thought is if you have the mask on, at least, you know, you're not touching your face because that's another thing. If it's in your hands and you haven't washed your hands and you touch your face, that's how it can get into your mouth.
1: I think the, the only real value of those, and uh, I call those maternity masks. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if that's accurate or not, but they, you know, they remind me of the things they give, you know, people yeah. when they're in the majority of um, The only value for those things, because they really don't filter much of anything. Uh, there are only two things that I've found that they do really well. First of all, if you're working with insulation, they're really great for keeping insulation out of your throat. Um, but the other thing, the only other thing they're good for as far as
5: I'm, I, I can tell is, is keeping you from touching your face. So those masks in particular, yep. those are the ones that we use on patients that are coughing. Yep, those.
0: Mm-hmm. Those
5: are for patients that are sick. So when I said that I went over to my parents and I wore a mask, I didn't wear an N95. I wore the mask that I would wear if I was sick. And they, while they may not filter a lot, what they do protect is droplet. And that's what we're seeing a lot of the spread is through either um, surfaces or Droplet contact
4: rationing there. I've been seeing a lot of rationing my wife. Uh, we've done Walmart orders online and I did a post the other day as far as what Walmart looked like when we went there with garbage in the parking lot Fights in the parking lot people urinating on the wall uh, Yeah, it was it was insane Wow, you know, that was in Syracuse New
2: York. I can uh, say during uh, and I mentioned this on your post during the uh, what was it, the h1n1 during that scare yep. back in 2009, I was in Los Angeles, California, and I witnessed two kind of attractive soccer moms beat the shit out of each other over the last case of water at the grocery store. That was wow. that was one of those things that I witnessed, and now I can tell a story about it years later. And back
4: <laughs> back then, you didn't they didn't have uh, cell phones, so you didn't get it on camera either. You're oh, we had cell
2: it, phones, but I, I, but I wasn't using my point? phone like I use it now. That's for sure. Gotcha.
0: But inquiring minds, Clint, was it Perry or Badwa?
2: No, it was like, it was like Arrowhead, which is out there, just like your basic, basic bottled. Well, Arrowhead water is really good filtered mountain tap water is what it is. It's it's good.
4: It's like, uh, what is it? Um, what's the one, uh, the one Fran- French water there?
2: Oh, Perrier. No,
4: na- uh, Naive backwards. Oh, Evian? Evian. Evian. It's <laughs> called Naive backwards. Yeah.
2: We talked about the efficacy of the masks people are really into the, the hand sanitizer and they're also into Lysol spraying things. How much, how good is that? Is that worth doing? And, and if so, is there maybe one thing that might be better than another thing? Or?
4: And the wipes too. Don't forget the
5: wipes. I mean, so in general, the best thing to do as far as uh, hygiene is hand washing. Um, that's never going to, no hand sanitizer in the world is going to trump Hand washing and not just hand washing. I think Grant had mentioned people in general don't know how to wash their hands. This is something you're supposed to be taught in like kindergarten, preschool. But so, you know, happy birthday song twice, roughly 20 seconds, and you're not, you're going and you are lathering your hand up in between the fingers, up on the wrists. People miss the wrists all the time. One of the exercises that i saw is you take a thing of glitter and you dump it in some milk and you mix it up and then you put your hands in it and then you have to wash the entire hands 20 seconds 20 seconds until you got all the glitter off Hmm. Um,
4: was that like in paramedic school that's how they made sure you did it right
5: i actually just saw it pretty recently i'm watching a lot of videos yeah but I I mean if you think about it, glitter is this small annoying pieces you can't get glitter off if right. you try So you got to so, rub hard it's not going to yeah, just not you really got to scrub. Yeah. Um as far as hand sanitizer and spray Lysol spray goes, yeah, I mean, you should be wiping down surfaces. This is practices that we're really trying to intensify at work. Um spraying down our services, ambulance. you know, our steering wheel, anything that we're working in the front with. Um, any, any of the railings or the cabinets that we touch our keys, people never wash their keys. Like that, um, and not just cell phone. Yeah. I mean, you could probably, you could, uh, you could swab those and get a ton of bacteria growth, I'm sure. But, um, it's not just a matter of spraying it and wiping it off. You have to spray it, let that stuff sit there and let it dry. And that's something (laughs) that people tend not to do is they spray it and wipe it real quick. Well, you just basically, you know, smeared some bacteria.
0: I think one of the things that people should remember is that antibacterial soap is only about marketing. There's very few things as antibacterial as soap itself. And this particular virus... Um, has a high amount of lipid in its what's called its capsid. So the surface of the virus, the way, the, the, the basic structure of the virus, has oh. got a lot of uh, fatty substance in it. So soap is very good at disrupting the structure of the virus. Nice. And then the inside of the virus, the thing that, that actually gets into your body and does the damage, is made of a substance called RNA. And RNA is very fragile. So once you break up the outer membrane of the virus, then the actual genetic material of the virus becomes very sensitive and, and is easily destroyed. So washing your hands, just as James was saying, and, and Grant alluded to earlier, is definitely the most important thing you can do. And right. just remember, that the thing that people forget is that you've got 10 fingers, right, okay? So when you're washing the fronts of your hands and the backs of your hands and between your fingers, on both sides it's important to do each individual finger and then rinse them off if you wear rings or wristwatches, james's point about washing your wrist take your watch off take your bangle off whatever it happens to be and wash up around your wrists so that you get into um a lot you get into these areas that milk and glitter thing sounds like a really good exercise something you could play with your kids to teach them how to do it properly that's a that's a, that's a really good idea
4: I know people like cold water, like I know some ranges, they don't have hot water, so it's just cold water. Uh, What are your guys' thoughts on on cold water? Is it just as effective as hot water? Because I know with like lead, you want to use cold water because you don't want the pores to open up and then the lead to get into your skin. So what's the thoughts on uh, cold water versus hot water with washing your hands?
0: I think washing your hands properly is more important than using hot or cold water. Cold water, Cold water will solubilize the soap and it'll solubilize the virus. Just as well. So I'm, I'm okay with either.
1: Hi, I'm Tom Givens with RangeMaster, and this is Meet the Pressers with Matt Mallory and Clint Macro.
0: Meet the Pressers. So New Jersey is at 178 confirmed cases. Middlesex County, where I live, is 10 cases. The vast majority of the cases are up north in Bergen County, which is very close to New York City. Um, in terms of deaths, there's Nowhere near as many, five or six, maybe. No, in fact, probably not even that. Actually, wow. um, so far, I mean, the, the, I think, modern, intensive care medicine is is very good. Whether that will be sustainable, or um, as the case number of cases expands, is another question. I think there's a big lesson to be learned from what's happened in Italy.
4: So it's looking at March 14th at 11.49 p.m. They say there was four COVID-19 deaths in the uh, New, Nor- New York, New Jersey, as tri-state cases surpassed 700. So between New York where I'm at, New Jersey, where we're at, it looks like 700 as of the 14th. Right. So it's probably gone, I would I would think it's probably gone up a lot more since then. So you're, you're probably right on that. And then only and two deaths. I know we've only got two confirmed cases in my county, Onondaga County. It's just as t- today, I believe. Exactly, this this morning, I think. Well, it's like
2: Grant said, that's just ones that have been identified, you know. Right, definitely. How do you know who your daddy is because your mama told you so? So it's like it's just a matter of people will be discovered to have had it, and then those numbers will change. I heard –
4: I heard something like there was uh, 96, I talking to a doctor, he said like 96% of the people that came in thought they had it, didn't have it. It was only like 4% that actually mm-hmm. had it or something like that.
0: Right. And that, that's, of course, part of the issue. One of the interesting, we talked about the, the the rate at which the virus was expanding and we're recording this on Monday. So we've got 178 cases in New Jersey. So if by the time the, the broadcast airs, which you said, was Tuesday or Wednesday? You can with. look at the number of cases and get a pretty good idea of how fast all the fast. virus is uh, uh, spreading in the population. As testing becomes more widely um, utilized, there's going to be a spike in the number of cases that are identified. It's just a natural thing to happen. Mm. And they shouldn't be suddenly horrified if all of a sudden there's 20 new cases uh, close to them or whatever it happens to be. It's a natural a good consequence point. of testing being done. And people just need to. Do what we said right at the very beginning. Think about your symptoms. If you if you get a little bit of a fever and you get this, particularly this dry cough, then call in sick from work. Stay home, like Grant said, you know, and and don't let it get in your head. That's a good point.
5: About a week and a half ago, I had sat on a panel at one of the universities. They were offering some information regarding the coronavirus and saying, you know we're about two two to three weeks away from what Italy's experiencing now. Um, so that was you know, about a week and a half ago, they were you know, at their peak, right? And so they, they showed that the way these viruses work, they work on those bell curves. So they kind of hit this peak and then they start to, you know, the infection rate de- declines. Um, and what they talked about was one of the proven ways to reduce these peaks is social distancing. So I think a lot of people are panicking you know out of the fact that we are closing businesses and you know there is room to panic in terms of you know financial stuff but you know that's beside the point what we're trying to do is make sure people don't die so the social distancing is it is the reason they're doing it now as opposed to when we have any cases you know New, new york specifically upstate new york we just got our first two cases today confirmed um and so what they're trying to do, it, what they've said is in order for the social distancing to be effective, what they need to do is they need to do it early and they need to do it for a prolonged period of time. Because if they, if they do it for a short amount of time, it'll have no effect. Mm-hmm. If they do it when the peak has reached its high point, it, will ha- it won't have any effect because we've already infected the people. So that's why we're canceling these things, uh, you know, the sporting events, you know, not going to the movies, setting these curfews, is we're trying to catch this before we hit our all-time high. So I think it's important that people realize that I don't think that this is a reactive thing. This is strictly being proactive Smart. and, right. you know, keeping, keeping yourself inside, listening to what they're telling you to do that's the best thing you can do. The hand-washing, the wiping down surfaces, taking the extra precautions, that's what we need to do.
4: Well, we know that we're going to have a lot of uh, babies conceived during this time and a lot of uh, new music being wrote. So that's positive for the community, right?
2: Meet the Pressers will have a few episodes edited and put in the can, too, that's for sure. That's
4: good, too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) From a preparedness perspective, at this point in time, um, and I I echo uh, what James said about uh, being proactive. At this point in time, you have to assume the virus is everywhere. And so the key here is reducing your exposure to the greatest degree possible. And that means the aforementioned uh, social distancing and you know, staying you know, six feet, mm-hmm. 10 feet if you can is better uh, away from people whenever you can. Uh, you're not going to eliminate your exposure. You can't do that unless you're a hermit on a desert island someplace. Uh, but what you can do is manage your manage your exposure, reduce the the number of contacts you have, reduce the frequency of contacts that you have uh, by whatever means is necessary. The second thing I would say is don't panic. Um, sure. This is what it is. It is it, it's it's going to run its course, and you have to accept that it's going to do that yes there's going to be some disruption in your life um, that's unavoidable at this point it's we're not going to get out of this without some disruption so just accept it and work with it uh, the third thing I would say is prepare for this prepare for six weeks of disruption and as I said earlier if it's less than that great you won the lottery Um, but if it does run six weeks, like I suspect it, it, it might, uh, then at least you're prepared for it. Think in terms of what you need to eat. Think in terms of what you need in terms of, of, consumables and go out and, and see, and try to get in enough to last you six weeks. If you can't, don't panic. It just means you're going to have a few more exposures. Um, and that's probably true for everybody. Uh, so minimize your exposures if you can. If you can do a little backstocking whenever, whenever you can. I'm not talking about hoarding. Don't go out and buy two years' worth of toilet paper. But you know, if you've got enough toilet paper to last you six weeks, you're good. You don't need any more. Um, focus on maybe getting some food, your your meds. You know, the mm-hmm. prescription medications you need. Uh, cat food, dog food, mm-hmm. rabbit food, chicken food, whatever you yep. got. Uh, make sure you've got enough of that and then uh, sit back and uh, try to get some work done. You
4: know, and that's a good point, too, Grant. And I would second that and tell people to plan in the future so that if this happens, then you're not panicking, trying to scramble and find things. So everybody yeah. should have a, a certain amount of rations on hand yeah. all the time. Cause you never know what happens. I mean, we've had water freeze before where we were without water. We've been snowed in before in upstate New York, you know, those yeah. things, those things happen, you know? So we were in hurricane Fran down in North Carolina back in the nineties. So there's a lot of different, uh, different things like that, natural disasters that can also affect you. And just having a good, uh, good amount of stuff on, on hand, no matter what is smart.
2: Yeah. And- I have a, I have a can of uh corned beef that I looked in the sell by date was 2006.
1: Man, it, it wasn't I've been it wasn't to deep then. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I got enough ammo left over from 2012 when the Mayan calendar was going to run out, so I'm okay.
1: okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. The one thing I would add here, if and there are probably a lot of people, maybe even the, the ones listening to this podcast, who are maybe new to the whole idea of prepping. Mm-hmm. Um, this has kind of hit them hard. Well, uh, you will, you will, the, the chances are overwhelmingly that you're going to survive this just fine. Yeah. Um, but while you've got some downtime, maybe now's the time to to study up on preparedness in general and make some ideas for what you're going to do to become more resilient after this is over. Self-sufficient.
0: The vast majority of people who actually contract the virus will recover perfectly well. Um, it won't necessarily be a mild illness. I mean, it would be like... Could be like the flu, and the flu can be pretty severe, but the vast majority of people are going to survive uh, being infected by the virus um, at home, just as if they had the flu, and that's important for for people to remember. And just as if you had the flu, you know, you wouldn't be going out on the street, you wouldn't be having all your friends over, all that kind of stuff. So this social distancing, this self isolation, is one of the things that's important to achieve. What James was talking about, which is this. Uh, flattening the curve, this re- reducing the spike, because the whole point of that is that the number of cases never overwhelms the medical facilities able to deal with them. You're going to be fine, guys, you know, unless you uh, look after your older relatives, look out for yes. them, older neighbors. Um, these are the ones that these are the people that are most at risk. But young people um, are going to be fine
4: they're saying uh pregnant i think uh, our our middle daughter is pregnant right now and that was one of the things that they were saying that's uh a concern for pregnant women so it's also I,
0: I don't have any information about that but it's a but it is a really important point and um that's something that should be looked at carefully
4: our grandson's got diabetes so they say uh you know, affect immune dis, uh immune system pregnant people and then the elderly are the three that i've i've heard mm-hmm. that are the most susceptible
0: right that's that's is correct
2: well, gentlemen, I thank you very much for your time. It's always a pleasure to have have uh, Grant Gallagher on, Grant Cunningham. Uh, I've been on your show many a times uh, years ago when you were on uh, on PDN, and it's always a pleasure to, to share virtual space with you. James, it was wonderful meeting you, and I hope you received excellent training from my uh, partner there, Matt Mallory. You, you got you took your uh, pistol class with Matt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Matt, always a pleasure to be on the show with you. James, you want to say something on okay. us?
5: I was going to say that in my uh, NRA course to finish it off. I took with them as well. So cool. awesome. thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me.
2: <laughs> cool. No and uh, any of you guys want to come back on the show, let us know. And uh, maybe, you know, as, as this thing progresses, we have maybe another, another panel about this uh, in a couple of weeks and see where we're at. Yeah, we can, uh, that would be interesting. We can talk Bye. about the salad days or we can talk about what's next, you know, take care. All right. All right. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks. lot, everyone. Bye, Bye
1: guys. Good night. I'm Michael Bain, and I'm here on Meet the Pressers with Matt and Clint because, you know, those
2: guys are just plain cool.
4: There's a lot of sponsors that make this show possible, like Mantis. Make sure you check them
2: out and give them your business.
3: This episode is brought to you by Taser. Simple to use, safe to own, effective when you need it. Mantis. Mantis X helps shooters suck less. Meet the Pressers is sponsored by Next Level Training, Sabre Red, Cutting Edge Bullets, the USCCA, McLean Corporation, ASP, ESS, Common Sense Self-Defense, and T-1 Ammunition. Meet the Pressers is also generously supported by these fine companies, ranges, and our Patreon members. Thank you.
4: Thanks for watching the show. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, share, click the little bell, come on Patreon, help support us that way, come to one of our classes, or host us, we can come to you and do one of our courses at your location. So until next time, adieu.
2: Thank you for watching Meet the Pressers.